HD Smartcast. You are listening to an HD Smartcast original. Hi, I'm Pragya Gulati and I lead marketing at HD Smartcast. Welcome to this exclusive series HD Smartcast Leadership Lessons. I'm going to be talking to leaders across industries, discussing their journeys, their aspirations, their challenges and how they overcame them. This is an HD Smartcast original from HD Smartcast which is India's fastest growing podcast producing platform. Hi everyone. So for this episode I'm delighted to welcome uh, Mr. Bharat Kaushal. He's the managing director of Hitachi India Private Limited and the first Indian to be appointed to this position. He previously served as chairman in India of SNDC. Mr Bharat specializes in macroeconomic policy government policy government advisory project finance debt restructuring and mergers and acquisitions he is currently a member of the Indo Japan task force he has also served as strategy advisor to the government of economic affairs ministry of finance government of india as part of the economic policy unit of the world bank in washington dc so welcome bharat pleasure to have you today hi pragya great to be here all right and thank you for joining So uh you will be soon completing 4 years as the MD of Hitachi. So uh what's there what's up for the future and what are the key areas that you're currently working on? I think the the whole Japan India economic engagement has a lot of geostrategic importance in current world. You know both countries are large economies they trust each other and for India to get to the next threshold in the value chain uh there is japan's technology and and other skill sets which can be very easily relied upon in this context when you look at hitachi it's one of the widest and largest presence of industry under one conglomerate in india and it does infrastructure business and manufacturing business and digital business so going forward of course the initial uh engagement was to do business in india by bringing technologies and product lines from overseas but when you look at the the way indian market is mm-hmm. it's a product market and will be also a solutions market at the same time and physical infrastructure and digital infrastructure will complement each other but they will also go hand in hand as big national priorities so when you look at indian market the reason to localize volume centric businesses and the and the ability to use and leverage our multiple strengths for moving up in the value chain for other businesses mm-hmm. the focus is to uh, make india a bigger hub for hitachi's activities not just for india but also from india to rest of the world and in that context some big initiatives have already been taken i mean you know we we were the first after independence to provide the big uh, uh, locomotive to indian railway or to the turbines of bhakra nangal dam but now manufacturing of lot of capital good industry activities whether it's in railway or in power sector uh, or in uh, construction machinery is all happening within india for us and we need to augment that so that the uh, design frugal product with an advanced and a premium versions to be sent to you know more expensive markets is going to be a big focus for us the other thing that is very interesting about india is 
the complementing of the domestic market size and the and the promise of being competitive in this market opening up so many other markets or elsewhere in the world like in the automotive sector uh, and uh, with with new capacity buildings in electric vehicle and automated driving coming up i think it's a, the landscape is going to be redrawn in which we have a very big role to play going forward and finally on the digital side is india is like the fertile breeding ground of very good it solutions and we believe that our strengths in operating technologies with complementing complementing um, you know uh, resources coming from our facilities in india on the it and iot side we will be able to offer solutions which are more for the society out of india uh, whether it's in education and health or agriculture in rural economy or even in digital payments that we can actually supplement in a very big way and make competitive solutions out of india mm-hmm. right so uh what i hear you say is that hitachi is like uh, smoothly fading towards becoming a global hub for design engineering manufacturing and then of course you spoke a lot about how india's contribution is quite here so uh, what do you think its influence will be on the uh, atmanirbhar vision of the government i think uh, it's a very important point in economic evolution for large countries to become more self reliant in a certain way but also beyond that to become competitive grounds and offer competitive solutions now not every country is self reliant only because of its market size but sometimes because of the factors of production like i mean labor and capital and skilled workforce from our standpoint it's a meeting of two ends where the predominant business partner or engagement partner is the government and the government is taking a very strong step in encouraging uh, competitive solutions being built out of india whether it's by indian companies or by foreign companies the the idea is to cater to indian market with more indian competitively built solutions and also to use india from the make in india perspective and and take things overseas and uh, and we are quite excited about it the initiatives that we are taking in in railway for instance or in building business like uh, urbanization driven escalator elevator uh, and the whole urban solution environment are things that we want to grow here in india and uh, and we 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 have had a long history with railway in terms of importing lot of technology but we started very well with signaling business which is increasingly becoming a very important part of how railway business is going to be run in the future and enhance safety and security of the railway movement but also about manufacturing rolling stock the whole car body locomotive the motorized parts of it which make the train move is uh, is something that we are very seriously intending to augment that capacity in india with So, uh, is Hitachi's capability also useful for the metros, or is it only the traditional uh, trains? So, if you, I mean, you know, there are multiple classifications in this uh, railway transportation sector. There is the big Indian railway, which is going through a revolutionary uh, activity of modernization. I mean, this budget uh, in end of Feb- in February was about two hundred thousand crores. being allocated to railway as the largest infrastructure outlay which means you know from from track 
and uh, refurbishment of existing trains to privatization to enhancing the safety standards the signaling systems increasing the speed of the train uh, and ensuring sort of more optimal passenger and freight movement so there is enough opportunity for people on the higher end of technology to bring that the metros is an urban mobility segment and urban mobility of course metro is because our populations is bigger but otherwise there are also monorails and and you know other uh, species within the urban mobility and we find that that market is a newer market relatively but we need to augment that capacity and there is a kind of a curious mix between stainless steel and aluminium which makes a lot of difference and both are different sets of capabilities because of the weight involved and the third thing that we are involved in is bringing the high speed train which is the bullet train and we are the actual manufacturers of the shinkansen in japan um, and that's the technology that india has now chosen to bring from japan for the mumbai ahmedabad as the first leg of the bullet train uh, coming into india so there are three four different levels of technology that are coming in railway uh, one is the modernization technology bringing optimality bringing safety standards and so on the other one is a mass rapid transit system which is for the urban mobility the third is a high precision engineering environment where you know you you need a different scale and level of uh, engineering and uh, design and also uh, technology that is going to come so we are kind of addressing a big national and economic priority coming out of the railway business in a big geography like india by bringing all three four levels of technology engagement what is uh, hitachi's role in india's digitally enabled e governance mission so hitachi has had a very good experience all over the world in the operating technology and the it intermingling from the b2b perspective which is a industry to industry whether it's transportation or power or industry or manufacturing etc but in india what has happened is that the society's sense of entitlement has progressed sooner than the industry's progression which has also been on but at a slower pace because we see like you see in telecom you see 2g and 3g and 4g coexisting you see many levels of industry and technology coexisting in india while what has happened is that everyone's got a mobile phone and an aadhar card and a bank account mapped to it so the sense of entitlement of these citizens has grown up has grown faster so if you look at it from a convergence point of view in india society 5.0 has moved faster than industry 4.0 and so you have to redefine the focus point of what you're going to work on and therefore citizen emerges at the epicenter of how growth is going to be defined so when i do railway asset management it's not about managing how many cars should run between 8 am and 10 am in the morning on delhi metro but it's also about mapping the passengers who are coming and seeing that's the best way to map it now the passengers also are individuals they have their own requirements from education to health to you know insurance to the transportation needs that we said now that touches the individual that also touches the institutions of delivery that also touches the administration because they need to make the policy framework and also do funding maybe and things like that so you need to map individuals from birth to the end of their life across life cycles mapping all stakeholders 
in public layers and institutions layers and administrative layers on a real time to be multifunctional this guy is of course a student but he's also using transportation he also has a health requirement etc etc and he will need to transact from that so you are not just digitizing his information providing all the analytics and so on you are enabling him to enable do transactions so what we did was that we we created this framework of life cycle e governance and we also made investments as itachi together say with state bank of india to enable transactions even at the last mile to marry on with railtel and people like those who are the optic fiber people where across railway tracks in any city and village in india and there is capacity to carry traffic and and when you provide your thing on a big robust network with a payment transaction enablement you are able to address and service several institutions and players in education in healthcare in modern day whether it is hospital or training and or passenger i mean services and in, in mobility you are able to address multiple things Mm-hmm. Okay, and tell me more about uh, uh, water infrastructure that the company has engaged itself in, and more about uh, the city gas distribution, the other capabilities of Hitachi. I think uh, while water in its value chain, uh, you know, starts from very upstream end of getting water. You know, getting water means there is water, river water, and and desalinated sea water and waste water. which become the source of water so hitachi's technologies are it's like an assembly line we have technology in that space uh, which is wastewater being purified and reused for for different activities there is river water and there is also sea water which has to be desalinated and then used for different purposes so we have technology at that end then there is technology in water transportation and movement and then there is finally a distribution led technology where you know you you bring optimality there so different problem sets come and different sets of challenges come at each level there is a there is a regulatory environment there is a technology environment there is also a commercial environment in which you have to see where are the leakages what is the existing system and can we optimize on that etc etc so so when you look at gujarat or a coastal area maybe the solution of desalination is more effective when you look at nagpur it's a mix of river water solution with wastewater management when you look at the delhi jal board it's about bringing efficiency arising out of urbanization too much of pressure coming too much of water requirement and therefore you know you need pipeline network management system you need a satellite control technology to monitor it you need a command and control center to be able to assess you know if there is if there is some major requirement or something at the back end which is being uh, you know tested for some other reason uh, then and is stretched then we have to ensure how the supply is going to come so water is going to remain it's a life issue right water is is so basic that you have to ensure it for people first of all and then also for industry and for many other things that you need when you look at city gas it's an urban bit you know city gas is 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 something which needs just efficiency and uh, cost optimality uh, coming that you know it's secure it should be uh, cost efficient and when gas comes 
from whatever source through a national gas grid up to the doorstep of a city how can you be efficient and be attracted by it because it will also make money for you even if you're when you're in a private concession holder so in in indraprasth gas when you see the whole um, it's like a very big net all across the city of delhi and mahanagar gas is a similar thing in mumbai now these these are going door to door every home and it is metered and from 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 that last mile outcome all the way to the manager of this facility which is say the city gas agency you know you have to create that value chain where people can manage uh, exact location of of anything that needs to be addressed almost 24 hours um, every day of the week and that's technology that so we don't we, we don't bring the gas but we provide the entire net on which mm-hmm. this is going to operate and this is a business that is going to redefine the basic infrastructure definition water and city gas for and maybe maybe mass rapid transit or you know mass transportation these are sectors which are going to define what we call a smart city all right so uh, how has this pandemic affected uh, your goals or your vision uh, what are the kind of challenges that you faced during this pandemic what did you do to overcome them you know not that we know so much about the pandemic yet but when the pandemic started there was a fear about the pandemic and how it is spreading and all of us were learning at the same time yeah and so first of all the the priority was to safeguard the people because we have so many different types of businesses across the country and then the second was that at least wherever we are involved in essential services whether it is in data center operation or digital payment business or city gas and water or railway business or logistics movement and sometimes even essential customer support so i mean if refrigeration is a business that we have and mm-hmm. and you know medicines have to go cold storage chains and other things are going to be affected everything is part of that essential service delivery there people had to be available around the clock while there was a lot of fear that you know you are so not supposed to travel and meet but we we took up that challenge and i have to say that uh, it was another level at which i got impressed by the people at hitachi that they didn't shy away from that responsibility uh, in terms of actual business yes some of these businesses uh, like infrastructure and so on were at project locations and sites and if you see the results of some of those like power project being inaugurated by the prime minister the dedicated freight corridor being inaugurated recently in january were things that were completed on time because they were at isolated locations the manufacturing businesses first of all shut down for the first quarter the second quarter was evolving standard protocols with lesser number of people coming and sometimes there are businesses in which the the cost of lighting up a furnace is so much higher if your order book is still small yeah maybe you're not going to be excited yeah. but but the next 6 months is the only period we had to cover and i think we were on top of it in terms of our preparedness to at least make up for whatever we could of course there is a there is a contraction in the overall book of manufacturing the digital business on the other side because of online dependency increasing and thanks to the fact that technology and you know the internet and telecom infrastructure was in place 
was actually delivering much better because everyone was <laughs> digital payment business for instance yeah. grew by about nearly 50% mm-hmm. straight away in the in the in the ensuing quarters of the pandemic lockdown getting over it just remained it became a habit so people actually migrated to using these tools and that volume actually increased so so it's been a it's been a mixed bag of experiences you know we we had to being a japanese company there is there is a lot of focus on employee safety and we we tried our best to make a framework in which standard operating procedures could be could be there at the same time we were relentless in at least ensuring that all the essential service partnerships or commitments that we have as it actually uh, worked right some of the businesses uh, saw a contraction and still some others uh, uh, saw some growth as well yeah yeah so so many ambitious projects and diverse areas in which you're working uh, like how do you plan to achieve all of your targets or do you prioritize certain areas over another how do you do that well uh, the trick in business is to keep aligning yourself with how the other side on the table wins right i mean you you have to make a winner out of whoever your counterparty is and and that's a that's sometimes uh, a transactional approach and sometimes it's also a medium and long term approach that you can't get all results at the same time by your priorities being a large company you have to understand that the that that how you're going to match capacity building is more with an investor's mind that oh i'm getting into railway business that means this is going to be a 15 20 year outlook that i will have because it will take me few years to even get started with it and that's where i can make some choices of some smaller companies coming into hitachi's fold as an inorganic way or something starting from a greenfield slate and then growing up but it has to be that cycle and this business is a different mindset you know the cash flow of this business will not return um, every month or every few months it will take a few years before it starts coming that's why i said it's an investor's mindset when you do certain other businesses like in the it sector the business can only survive when you are making regular payments to your suppliers when you are receiving regular payments and that cash flow cycle will keep moving now when you start combining say a, a power business with an it solution then you are mixing two different genres of business in the same space and you have to focus on on kind of managing the the it aspiration and the operating technology aspirations from it so uh it obviously keeps you very busy because you will not get it right every time in the first round you know you will have to keep discovering and making responsive um uh, changes to to how you want to take it forward yeah okay so let's say uh, if somebody comes to you uh, fresh out of college and somebody says okay i want to be the next bharat kaushal so what advice do you have for uh, such a person <laughs> first of all you have to be better than me I've I've spent a lot of time in just making the learnings, but some you know I was I was in Hong Kong at one point when I was at the investment bank, and I was doing an IPO of a of a very famous South Indian IT company, and uh, we were looking for vegetarian food as the promoter was a was a vegetarian in Hong Kong. It's sometimes a challenge. So as we were walking the streets, 
I said, you did very well in the roadshow with the investors. And, and the guy said that you make good responses because you've got experience. And experience always comes from bad judgments. So there is a journey. There is so much that education can teach you. There are still many other things that experience teaches you. And experience will come when you have been bold enough to at least take those responsible risks. Sometimes you will be hitting it on the bullseye and sometimes you'll miss it very, very widely. And, and both things are some things that you learn over a period of time. So you have to have a constructive approach. You have to be a believer in yourself and have some conviction in what you're doing. At the same time, uh, you know, there will be failings as there are successes. And each one is a learning space. You know, success doesn't mean that that model will work again, right? Because maybe it gets commoditized after that and you don't get the same kind of success as you aspire. And failure doesn't mean that you were wrong. Failure means that maybe we, something didn't go right in terms of either the design or in terms of the timing or in terms of, you know, was the market ready for it or not. And you don't give up because you're wedded to progress and aligning yourself in the constructive uh, uh, space. So so just be on with it and and have a have an owner's mind when it comes even in your professional life. You know, it's very important to take ownership of what you're doing and behave like one in terms of the sensitivities that you will do for running a business. And you'll not go wrong in the in the larger picture. So, uh, who are the people or uh, what are the places that have made you very comfortable with failing or just not giving up kind of a mindset? Uh, what, uh, what we would call resilience? Well, this question is also about the experience that I have had in my journey. You know, I'm not saying there are no other ways in my journey. Things which are more long term. You know, when I started Project Finance, India was opening up in the 90s, right? A project takes about three years to build a power plant, about five years to build an oil refinery, and about four to six years in building a corridor like a freight corridor. But if you look at the actual time that it took, it took more than double of that in the first generation, at least double of that. But, but they were still called fast track because it was a new experience for all of us to to create new value chains which were in the private sector. A power purchase agreement done by a state government with a power plant was one and a half pages before it was open to the private sector. The day the private sector entered, it was an 1800 to 2000 page document because it meant so many other things, liquidated damages, what if you don't get feedstock like coal or you know gas, what if you don't get this, what happens if the machine breaks down and you're not able to provide power everything was defined before that the government company will sell it to a government company and they would understand that risk and it takes a while when you hand over and bring in public private partnerships and that's that is for those who have patience and also believe that finally this will all broaden the base of mm -hmm. capital which is going to participate in national growth and when you're when you're at it, there will be enough people to sort of say this is not permissible, this is not under the guideline, this is not the lowest cost, but it is better in technology. So you start making these observations very closely because I wasn't managing director then, right? I was I was part of that team which was delivering something. 
And then you start understanding that, oh, this is first time that private sector, even banks, don't know how to deal with private sector leading 15, 20 year projects. Banks, first of all, have high interest rates. We are a society which has intergenerational transfers. So everyone saves money for the next generation. So interest rates are higher. So 90% of the money is less than five years in the banks. And banks are being asked to lend for 15, 20 years. The second is that you are selecting the lowest cost bidder, cost bidder as though it's like a catering company or a soap company or something else, which is a single use item. If you go into building a railway or a road, just building a road, for instance, if it is going to require so much more maintenance over the next 15, 20 years, what's the point of having the lowest cost bidder? Right? You will have to, you would have spent more money on maintenance than construction of the road by the time the 15 year concession lives. So, so there are things that you have to believe in, in terms of some learnings from international models, some learning from, uh, from, the, from the new frameworks that you will need to evolve, which are India ready. So a global solution cannot just be replicated in India. India is also many yeah. Indias in one country, right? Absolutely. There, are, there are many different priorities. And, yeah. and sometimes you have a fight between the same money going for something that is of immediate use. I mean, something like a corona happens, yes, of course, all resources will go into handling corona, fine. But even within priorities, you will have to see whether a road connectivity of a village is more important or the well is more important. Now, the well is important for today's survival. The road connectivity is very important for the whole the city linkage and the, and the village linkage to start taking them to the next level. So there will be fights, there will be environmentalists, there will be sort of social impact assessments and other things which will delay it. But you have to have the patience, it is your country and you are responsible for it. And therefore, you play your part in bringing that change. Yeah, I think you made a very important point because uh, patience is something which uh, especially the newer generation, uh, Gen Zs, sort of miss these days because they're so used to instant gratification, everything on the phone and things like that. And, and I'm actually reminded of uh, Shirdi uh, because when I went to Shirdi, the one thing that they teach primarily is that you have Shraddha and you have Saburi, which means that you believe in yourself and then you patiently wait uh, for the results. Yes, yes. And, and I, I tell you that, you know, I grew up in a government setting, first of all. So I had no problem in spite of maybe Western education at Ivy League schools and so on. But when I came back to India, my mind was that I knew how to follow a system. I came to, into Japanese companies, which were even more Asian in their culture in terms of, you know, understanding the hierarchy. But in the investment bank, when people joined in the early 2000s, the younger guys. Every year, India was shining, India was doing better, you know, bricks and everything was happening. So, everyone was used to getting a bonus as a matter of right. And we in the 90s had seen two or three shocks. First of all, India wasn't do, doing very well in the early 90s and it started to change and substantively change. But again, the dot-com bursts and the other things happened in the US, which impacted a lot of the industry framework in India because we were driven like that. And then came a new generation, India started doing well, everyone's used to these bonuses, comes Lehman Shaw, guys don't even understand because they thought the bonus was a right, right? So they've, they've grown up in lesser tolerance and yeah. more as a matter of right of what comes. I would be in that at least position of responsibility at that time to share with the younger guys that this is our institution and I'm not saying don't leave this job for a better job and you know all that stuff. but. 
it's very important to know that you don't run away because these are these are bad years and then there'll be good years and as an organization shares it this is not my organization problem this is a economy problem if it's an economy downturn and upturn you have to sort of play it by that and there will be opportunities actually that you'll be able to make with intellectual capital in an investment bank or in a good consulting company which will come when even when things are not going well so that you can be slower than the speed of the fall and sometimes smarter with the speed of rise when when the opportunity will arise and that's what the learnings you have to make each time because this is these are real things they will keep going up and down a little bit even when there is a progression uh, which is uh, by and large taking you uh, up and up yeah wow so ending on such a positive note thank you so much bharat such a pleasure to speak to you and all the best yes. for your journey and and thank you for making it so real and very very good questions too pragya thanks very nice talking to you thank you so if you have any feedback or would like to feature in hd smartcast leadership lessons you can ping me at the rate pragya gulati on linkedin you can also write to us at the rate hd smartcast hd smartcast is present across social media platforms including facebook twitter instagram youtube and linkedin for more such podcasts go to hdsmartcast.com thank you this was an hd smartcast original hd smartcast